Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast... It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you, my friend, have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, doll? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast version 311, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. We've got a lot to get to. Odell Beckham Jr.'s name just will not go away. We've got that to discuss. We have one of the most bizarre things I feel like I've ever seen happening in the NFL trip around the block and our very own ESPN NFL Nation Cowboys reporter Todd Archer all on this version of the podcast but before we get into that you know the number right 972-934-8900 you're like man I wrote it down I keep it in my car in case I get in a car accident I hope so because <laughs> if you get hurt in a car accident if you're injured on the premises of a business truly your first call needs to be to Robert Greening and the green team with Greening Law to allow them to be your fierce competitor against these insurance companies. Matt's told you how much uh, the green team and greening laws helped him, and that's because, man, this can be a really complicated, kind of tedious uh, situation that, that Matt and other people are in when they've got to go against another big-time insurance company to try to get what's rightfully theirs, and the green team helps you out, man. They shine a light to tell you, hey, here's the path to follow, here's the questions to ask, hey, here's a couple questions you didn't even know you were supposed to ask that you, should, that you need to inquire about. That's why uh, they're good at what they do. That's why if you're involved in an accident or something like this, it doesn't matter whether it's an 18-wheeler or a business premises, anything like that, I'm telling you, pick up the phone, give them a call, say, hey, here's my situation, what do you think? And hope that they bring you on as a client. I'm telling you, it's a great day for you if they do. It is. Consultation's free. Give them a call. Find out if you've got a case, 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now, offices, Dallas, Texas. So Odell Beckham Jr.'s name keeps surfacing, partly, I mean, we talked about him, I think, last week at some point, and then, of course, Jerry Jones on his appearance with the flagship station earlier today as we record this on Tuesday afternoon, almost, in a sense, just blatantly, it's like they want Odell to hear these things so that he knows they would love to have him as a part of the Dallas Cowboys. As Jerry said, Odell Beckham Jr. would look pretty good with the cowboy star in his helmet well it, to me like if you really believe that then y- you've got the money go get the guy no you can certainly make it happen <laughs> I mean, what easily are we for what are we waiting for um 
to me, they, I mean, and I'm not wrong because what did we find out at the trade deadline? They tried to get Jerry Judy uh, from Denver. They tried to get uh, uh, Brandon Cooks from uh, Houston. So they know that they need another receiver. Uh, they need another receiver because they need another productive player aside from Gallup and uh, CeeDee Lamb. And then, Doug, let's be honest, they need a player just in case one of them gets an injury. I mean, we are in a contact sport where injuries happen quite a bit. When their receivers goes down, bro, they got big-time problems. And uh, Beckham Jr. could help solve some of that. Yeah, he could help solve some of that. But, again, as we've talked about, I mean, it, it's – it's one of those things where you can't expect Odell to come in here and dominate the way that he did his first three years in the league. This would be a guy that you hope can make some big plays for you. Basically, what you would want him to do is just do what he did for the Rams last year in the playoffs. Just be that yeah. guy. No, yeah. I mean, he caught, I believe, 37 passes, 316 yards. I mean, 25 passes, 316 yards, touchdown. Super Bowl, he had 252 before he got hurt. Yeah. I think he had nine for 113 in the championship game. Uh, but as I say, man, he's the kind of cat who, in a playoff game, can make a play that changes the game. And uh, the reality of it is, and feel free to disagree, you tell me how many cats they got like that on the Cowboys right now. Not many. Honestly, I don't know who it would be. Maybe Tony Pollard. No, he's the only one. I mean, CeeDee Lamb is not – and I'm not saying this makes you bad player. I'm talking about – there's a point in the game, you need somebody to go make a play for big yards. Who's it going to be? C.D. Lamb has not proved that he's a guy who gets deep very often. You know, I'm talking about 35, 40-plus. Michael Gallup has done that in the past. He hasn't done it this year as he, gets, as he continues to get better uh, and get further away from his, his torn ACL. Tony Pollard is the only guy like that. Beckham Jr. at least gives you a guy who has that ability. Now, whether he does it or not, we have to see. But he gives you a guy who can do that. He does indeed. And... You know, last year, and this is the thing, so at this point in the season, the Cowboys have about $7 million in cap space. That's more than enough to sign Beckham for the prorated deal of whatever it would be. After he was released by Cleveland last year, he signed one year for a $1.5 million with the Rams. And, and of course, again, he only played the back little part of the season. I, I don't know why. I mean, even, even if you had to go and, like, look, we got to give you $2 million. Kick ass. Give it to him. What else are you going to do with that $7 million in cap space right now? Well, I think it's, I think, and I don't know for sure. I, I got to do some more research. But I think the thing with Beckham Jr. is that he doesn't want to just be the rest of this year. Maybe he wants one and a guarantee for right. next year. Maybe he wants two plus this year. So he's got, a, you know, basically a three-year deal. Uh, I think he's tired of bouncing. He's been with uh, – Cleveland, the Rams, and some other team in the next in the last two years, wherever he signs with, and uh, I think he'd like a little security so he can stop moving and find a rhythm with a quarterback, and have a, a really productive offseason and have a big season next year where he can cash in. See, and that's where to me, if that's the case, that changes the conversation. Obviously, that's a completely different conversation because now you're looking at it. You know, you're going to have Gallup and you're going to have Tolbert. You're going to have Lamb next year. Does Beckham fit into that? If he does, at what cost? Because you're looking at this, again, this, this is interesting because a guy like a Cedric Wilson in free agency last year, the, people forget about Cedric Wilson because he's been virtually invisible in Miami. They're paying him $7.3 million a year on a three-year deal. Cedric got a three-year $22 million deal. Does Odell Beckham Jr. think that he is still a receiver who can command $7, 8000000 million a year? Uh, probably so. 
because I mean, you know, he he would probably use Cedric Wilson as a good example. Even though he's younger, he said, okay, well, you know, outside of age, and that's a big deal. We can modify it by a few dollars here and there to to make up the age. But look at the production; we're about the same. So yeah, and you know, the top tier guys make twenty five, twenty eight to thirty million. So somebody making six is a quarter of that. That's kind of like probably the uh, the going rate kind of thing. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it, this is it, it's it's very interesting, and and you look at. The tale of free agency, Cedric Wilson, six catches for 63 yards this year with the Dolphins. Is that it? Yeah, six for 63. I mean, he is way down there. I mean, there are they got two running backs who have more catches than he does. Okay, now check this out. I ain't mad at him at all because you got to take the money. Oh, no doubt. Why wouldn't you? But uh, this is a classic case of, man, he'd be killing it here because he'd have a much bigger role and a much, much, much bigger uh, – part of the offense yeah but he wouldn't but, have that 7.3 million dollars on south beach no nah, but the problem is how long are you gonna keep it because they got waddle they got cheetah they're not gonna keep you very long yeah at that rate i mean you got to think especially after this year i mean i'd have to look at his contract and see what the dead number is but i i don't even know why he'd be on the team next year why would you pay that guy i mean you're basically right now paying him more than a million dollars a catch right now i have to go look they may have gotten him before they knew they could get tyreek hill yeah, I think, I think they did sign him before they made that trade for him. But that's, I mean, man, even with that, because you look at Hill and Waddle and Gasecki, those are the three main targeted guys. It, it, I don't know. It, the, the Odell Beckham Jr. thing is really interesting. If you can rent him like the Rams did, I, I want him all day long. If you have to have him here next season, I don't know what the worth of that is, honestly. For a guy that has now had two ACLs in his career – couple of other injuries is okay. going to be on the wrong side of 30 i mean how much are you paying this guy well i mean everybody's gonna have the same conversation and so at a certain point the market becomes the market it is what it is and you can't make it go any higher so you know you can say hey here's here's what's available bro it's yours if you want it no no problem and, and just keep it moving like that yeah, I, I just wonder what that would be if, if you had the only way to get them was to be like, look, you, you're paying me for next year, too, because I want to be here with the guaranteed for next year. I, I mean, what would the, I don't even know what the number would be for next season, honestly. I mean, because you look at some of these white and, and again, there's all you know, there's the Christian Kirks of the world that screwed up for everybody. It, now it'll be the Cedric Wilson's of the world where you can point. And go, Hey, man, that dude got seven point three. I I'm, I'm do better than that. You know, I'd so say I, maybe somebody like A.J. Green, three million. Yeah, and, and maybe that's it. You know, A.J. Green, obviously much older as he is aged in his career. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you try and find somebody out there that's like that, that's a little bit older in their career and, and is kind of a comparable contract to his age of what you would want to pay him. You know, even even Julio Jones in Tampa, who's 33, is getting $6 million a year. All right, so, I mean, you could say that somewhere between three and six. <laughs> We'll make up the difference in incentives. You could do that. You know, as I like to say, man, if you want to get a deal done, you can get a deal done. If if both people really, you know, if that's if that's our if that's our goal. Plus, you know what they're gonna tell him. Yeah. Go make two plays here, and watch all your stuff blow up. Yeah. So we'll see what the Cowboys decide to do, and we'll dive more into a look at the Packers coming up on the next version of the podcast. Getting you ready for Dallas at Green Bay. It's America's game of the week. I bet Fox is stoked for this one. Everybody's still going to watch. I mean, it's the Aaron Rodgers mystique, man. Everybody's going to watch Mike McCarthy back in Green Bay. It's still Aaron Rodgers, even if they've lost five in a row. 
you, you just never know. And, and this is who knows. I have a hard time believing the Cowboys lose this game, but it's Aaron Rodgers and he's done it to Dallas before. It wouldn't blow me away if he did it to Dallas again and was like, Haha, I got you, McCarthy. This was the motivation I needed to go throw for 400 yards for the first time in forever. <laughs> I mean, who knows what yeah. makes that guy tick? Jeez. Well, you don't know. Nobody knows but him. So and That's what I'm yeah. saying. So the yeah, other thing, I wanted to throw this out here because this is to me, and I, I, I don't know how you think on this, is the Jeff Saturday thing the most bizarre thing that's happened in the NFL? And I, don't, I mean, what, what's more bizarre than what the Colts are doing with Jeff Saturday? I mean, this, that has to be the most bizarre coach. I don't even care if he's an interim. That has to be the most bizarre coaching move of all time in the NFL, right? Uh, modern NFL for sure. I mean, you know, I'm sure there was some crazy stuff that happened back in the day. But here's uh, this is just my take on it and why it's not so crazy. Okay. Um, number one, he played in the league forever. So he understands the NFL, this, that, and the other thing. Um, two, he's got ties to the Colts in this respect. He's in the Colts' ring of honor and all that stuff. And so think of him as Jason Witten in terms of he got respect in the building even if you ain't never met him before. Yeah. All right. And then number three, I think, what I have learned uh, as I do all these stories on Deion Sanders at Jackson State is this. Um, it, it ain't so much about what he knows or what he doesn't know. It's really about can he be a leader and command the coaches on his staff and the players, where they follow him. When he gets up and addresses the team, does what he say make sense? Because as a center, he's often going to be one of the most intelligent players. He played with Peyton Manning. So that alone tells you had a certain type of approach to the game just because Peyton Manning demands such of a position like center. Yeah. And so if he can command a room and he's got the leadership skills – where he can be a true CEO coach and let his leadership skills be the difference maker, then it could work. It'd be hard, it'd be unusual, but it could work. Yeah, it is. It's just, it's such a fascinating thing because for those that don't know, Jeff Saturday named the interim head coach of the Colts after they fired Frank Reich. Jeff Saturday has never in his life coached at all above the high school level, which he coached, he coached Hebron Christian Academy for a few seasons last in 2020 and he's been an analyst on ESPN I mean the guy is literally walking out of being an analyst for ESPN to the sidelines of the Indianapolis Colts as their new head coach which is it just uh, you never see this you you never 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 see this and he played for the Colts from 99 until 2011 and then his final year of his career he did a year with the Packers but I mean a lot of people around when they saw this your eyebrows just kind of go up and go wait a second what I mean, to me, this would be like your point of Jason Witten's a great example of this. It would have been like if the Cowboys, after Witten retired and failed at Monday Night Football, like, hey, man, come be our head coach. Yeah, and there'd have been a certain segment of the fan base been like, yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah, so maybe, I mean, I'm not a Colts fan. I, I don't really pay, the Colts are completely irrelevant to me, but maybe there's a chunk of Colts fans like, hell yeah, this is exactly what we need. Well, it's really, it's really, I mean, he could do it, man, but it's really about leadership and um, setting the tone within the organization and, and giving the organization direction and all of that stuff. Because 
you know, he can control the game if he wants to. Hey, Matt, you're the OC. Uh, let's run it here, Matt. You know. Yeah. You know, let's let's get aggressive here, Matt. You know, let's get the tempo going, Matt. You know, you take care of the rest. Uh, I mean, he could do all that stuff. Again, he's center. He played a long time. He understands the game. Now it's a little faster on game day because you got a bunch of moving parts. But again, I don't know if it'll work, but it can be done. And if you think about it in a certain way, you see ways it could work. Um, you know, it'll be interesting these next eight games to see if, if they listen to him at all. You know, what kind of respect does he have? What kind of respect can he earn? Uh, you know, because that's the biggest thing. You got to get the players to buy in. And how do the players buy in? You talk about being a former player, respecting what they do, all this other stuff. But then you got to give them something to buy in on. And that's the hardest part. Yeah, we'll see. So they have named who's going to call the plays. And it'll be their assistant quarterbacks coach, a guy named Parks Frazier, who is a 30-year-old guy who has never obviously called plays before. I mean, this is going to be really fascinating to see how this turns out. Really fascinating. I mean, Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts, defended it, said this, that he's fully capable of doing this. And, and I mean, what he had to say kind of made a little sense to me. He's like, I mean, look, you know, you hire all these other guys that have all this experience and it's not like they're doing anything, basically, is what he said. So I, I don't know. It, it's, it's very, very interesting. It's, it's fascinating to me to see how this will turn out with a franchise that signed or traded for Matt Ryan in the offseason, and now they're benched him. Sam Ellinger is still going to be the quarterback. And you fire your head coach, and you bring in a dude who's never coached above high school, and now you got a play caller who's never pl- called plays before. This is going to be very interesting. Recipe for, th- for a disaster. I have, a, uh, I have another NFL topic for you. Yes. Uh, dude hit me up today and said uh, – Basically, I was like, yo, the, basically, here's what happened. I responded to a tweet with, uh, yeah, the Bears finally figured out that Justin Fields is just a quarterback. Go put the ball in his hands and let him do his thing. And all of a sudden, their offense is hard as hell to stop. They're scoring basically 30 points a game. And what they need to do now is commit to this as a way to go, put some better receivers around here and say, hey, NFL, y'all got about five years to figure this out while my youngster rips your butt. Yeah. Uh, and this other guy was like, hey, see, I see how that worked out for RG3 pretty well. And I was like, dude, what do you think Lamar Jackson is doing up there? <laughs> you know, what do you think Jalen Hurts is doing? What do you think college football and high school football is producing? Yeah. It's, a, it's upon the offensive coordinators to pull their heads out to collect their butts and go, oh, this guy's different. He's not just this or that. Let me use his entire skill set and build an offense around that, and look what he's doing. Yeah, man, I mean, I, I would have to obviously completely agree with you. I, I, I don't know that I want to throw RG3 out there and the injury that he suffered. I, I don't know that he ever came back and was ever the same again. So I, I, I don't know. That dislocated left ankle that he had, man, what was that? I, I can't remember what year he was in the league when that happened. But he had that ankle injury, and it, it just it, it seemed like after, for whatever reason after that, he just never could get right again. Right, right. So, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I don't know, man. I mean, to me, you have to have someone, your head coach or your offensive play caller, somebody, has to look at what these guys did that they were so damn good at in college, which is really what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson, 
Like, why would you have a guy like Lamar Jackson come in and try to change what you saw that he did well and the reason why you wanted to draft them in the first place? Right. Um, no, you're exactly right. As it relates to RG3, here's, here's how you know the injury destroyed his career. He ran for 815 yards his uh, rookie year, 6.8 per carry, 489 yards until he got hurt, averaging 5.7 per carry, never ran for more than 190 yards, was out of the league four years later. Yeah, I mean, so to me, it, it's, you know, and you can make the argument, well, RG3, like that type of quarterback is more exposed and takes more hits and, and that type of thing. But again, we've seen it work. I mean, Lamar Jackson's been doing it for years now in Baltimore. Oh, Jalen Josh Hurts, Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen runs around all over the place. Pat Mahomes is a guy, maybe not like, vertically but pat mahomes is a play extender uh, like i mean hell aaron Rodgers is a guy who earlier in his career not that and i'm not talking about the runner type that fields would be but guys that get outside the pocket and move around a lot to extend plays yeah so it's yeah now fields is a runner right fields as much is obviously a runner uh, and exposes himself a little bit more yeah, but you know he'll he'll be smart now because if they build it around him, he'll know. Okay, now I need to get out of bounds. Now I need to slide. Now I need to do all these things to protect myself. I mean, ninety-one attempts. Fields is running at what ten times a game, roughly. I mean, he's he's their leading rusher yeah. now. And now the interesting thing is, and you'd have to go back and look how many designed runs and how many right, right, yeah. yeah. Because I bet designed runs, he's only got four a game. The rest of it is running away from that bad offensive line. Right, and, and some of that bad offensive line, feeling comfortable, trusting your receivers, that type of thing. And, and like you talked about, you shore up the offensive line, you get some better receivers, you might have a guy that does stay in the pocket and will make some plays for you that can also be dangerous using his legs. I don't know why you wouldn't take advantage of that. True that, true that, true that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The other thing, and, and it's interesting because I, I said, I, you know what? Maybe it's Twitter bitch session because I put out something on Twitter about the six and two Cowboys against the three and six Packers or whatever. And somebody responded, they haven't played anybody. And I just thought, like, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys this, all of you listening. I don't know how you get halfway through the NFL season and you still want to throw out, well, they haven't played anybody. You're like you lose me immediately. You don't. So you're telling me that eight games, all you've done is not play anyone in eight games. That just doesn't make any sense to me. The reality of it is, and we've gone through this before. There's not a lot of elite teams in the NFL anymore. As a matter of fact, I would say there isn't one. You have the Eagles, who are eight and zero. The Vikings are seven and one. Every other team in the NFL has at least two losses. Every single one of them. The Bills yeah. lost to the Jets. The Jets are six and three. <laughs> So, I, I mean, I don't know where this, well, they haven't played anyone comes from. What? Okay. So, well, the Giants, they don't count. So, the Giants don't count, but they're 6-2, and two, which is exactly what the Bills are, who just lost to the Jets. Yeah, I mean, you know, at this point in the season, you're pretty much moving into the you are what you are category because there's been enough, enough games that there's a good sample size to figure out, you know, whether your offense is good, bad, or, or, or otherwise. And so, no, I'm not buying. They haven't played anybody yet. And it doesn't really matter because all you can do is play who's on your schedule. Right, man. Uh, That's, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> and, look, reality of it is they're going to play the Vikings coming up. They're going to play the Giants again. And you can laugh all you want, but the Giants have a winning record and very well might be 8-2 and two when the Cowboys play them. Then they're going to play the Eagles and the Titans. They got four teams coming up that have winning records. 
So you're going to tell us. So the argument would be, well, they haven't played anybody. So they only played four teams all year. I mean, what are we doing? Like, like this to me would be like in college football, you can say that where you can sit here and say, well, come on. They played back-to-back games and, and they played FCS opponents. That's, this is the NFL. And as we have seen on any given Sunday, if you want to have that attitude that they haven't played anybody, that, that anybody will beat your ass. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's just not even unusual anymore. It'll happen. No, and man. We see it every week. Yeah, every single week. I mean, hell, Philadelphia struggled a little bit with Houston early on this past week. Miami almost got beat by the Chicago Bears who put up 32 points on them. And again, you go, Green Bay loses to the Lions, who suck. The Jets beat the Bills, who are supposed to be otherworldly. The Vikings struggled with the Commanders, who aren't any good. You know, so where does it stop? I don't know where it ends. And it's just, it's absolutely madness. Because we're not seeing, I don't know how many times we have to say this. This is not what the NFL was 10 years ago. I mean, you look look at the AFC East. The Bills, the Jets, and the Dolphins all have six wins. The Ravens and the Bengals in the North have, have five wins at least. You know, the Chiefs have six. The Chargers have five. The Eagles, Cowboys, and Giants all have six or more. I mean, it's some of these, some team with a losing record might win the NFC South. I mean, it's, it's what the NFL is right now. Dude, and that's why, you know, I've told you the Cowboys aren't a great team. For me, it's about stacking Ws. Uh, it's not style pointing them, just stacking them. And, uh, you know, as long as they do that, they, they're going to be in good shape. And that's about beating Green Bay is about beating the teams that you're supposed to beat. That's really what it's about. Right. If you do that from here on out, and if you just beat the teams you're supposed to beat in the place where you're supposed to beat them, especially at the crib, they'll be in the playoffs. And it doesn't matter what they do once they get there. Yeah, so chew on that. And when you're done chewing on that, open up a bag of Bruce Biltong and chew on some of that. And you know what? You won't be chewing on it very long because while it's like beef jerky, it isn't. So you don't have to chew and chew and chew and chew and chew until your jaw feels like you can't chew anymore. Biltong is like beef jerky, but it's better. It's more savory. It's more tender. It's easier to chew. It's full of flavor. And it's super healthy, man. It's Bruise Biltong, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. And I got to tell you guys, if you haven't had a chance to order it yet, you need to give yourself the opportunity to try a bag of Biltong because I think once you get it, you'll, you're done with beef jerky and you're going to want to have Biltong in your house all the time. Hell yeah. Who doesn't want some delicious succulent butt strips? <laughs> and that's what we call them because that's, where they, that's a part of the animal that they cut them off of and then they put them in the strips and dry them out. And it's so delicious. Matt and I both rock with the sliced Biltong, but Matt will tell you, you can get down with that slab if you want to. Or you no can kind of cut it off to your own to your own liking, as thick as you want, as thin as you want. That too is uh, sensational, but uh, you know it's delicious. It's two hundred thirty calories in two ounce pouch, which is bang for your buck. Thirty grams of protein, bang bang. Get yourself some guns like me, and uh, I get down with it, man. Make it happen. It's BruceBiltong.com. We are the only podcast. He continues to work with us because you guys are supporting him, who supports us, and it works out very very well. B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. BruiseBiltong.com. Promo code JAM15 at checkout for 15% off your order. J-A-M-15. Also, the podcast made possible by JR and Freeway Tire Shop. As Jacques can tell you, man, if you need an oil change, you need a tire rotation, you need something even more mechanical done, JR, Freeway Tire Shop is the place to go because you can trust the guy in the work that he does. No, man, I tell you all the time, JR got this uh, 
the way he runs his company, he got it from Home Depot because he used to be in their management program. And now, man, they're sensational at what they do. Uh, but the reason why I trust them is just what I said. It's all about trust, man. It's like going to the doctor, except they take care of your car and not your body. And instead, I trust JR and his crew to diagnose what the hell is wrong, bro. How about that? How about we start there? And then I trust them to use quality parts to fix, which is a big deal, man, because they don't have to worry about the same thing breaking down in a year or so. I trust them to charge me a fair price, which we all know a lot of mechanics don't do. And then, man, I trust them to stand behind this work. You find anybody who can do that, now, it's an almost impossible to do, then go ride with them. I know JR does that for a fact. Go check him out. He's only five minutes north of downtown, right off of there at 35 Commonwealth. Roll through, tell your boys from Jam Session sent him, and you'll get a hero's welcome, no doubt. Make it happen. Find them online if you want more information, if you want to schedule an appointment. You can even request a quote online at freewaytireshop.com. Let's take this trip around the block. And this is something when all of you listen to this, the anniversary will have passed. But for Jacques and I here in our time period, it is November 8th. And it was November 8th of 1972 that HBO officially launched. 50 years of HBO now. You know, normally I send you those stories, but you beat me to the trick on this one. I did, man. And it got me to thinking, I mean, you think about how they changed everything. And it's funny because apparently they were originally going to call it the Sterling Cable Network. SCN was going to be the name of this new service, but they decided to try it. And they later settled on calling it HBO, which for I don't even know how many people know this anymore. Home box office is what HBO stands for which was meant at the time to convey to potential customers that the service would be their ticket to the movies so that they could see those events in their own homes. Hmm. All right. Well, it home makes sense. Office. Yeah. I was going to say home box office always made sense to me. That other thing was just corporate inside. The yeah. Street. Yeah. And this obviously makes total sense. And, and they've branched off. I mean, there's HBO 2, there's HBO Comedy, there's HBO Signature, HBO Zone, HBO Latino. They have all these different HBO now. And, of course, Cinemax is under the same umbrella. Cinemax launched in 1980, which is crazy to think about. But HBO and all that it's brought to us, the great shows. I mean, some of the greatest shows of all time. I mean, my favorite show ever of all time, The Sopranos, was an HBO show that completely revolutionized and changed what episodic television could be moving forward. And that was groundbreaking stuff that HBO brought to us. No, I mean, HBO has been a uh, staple in my career for a long time. Uh, up until I started switching off based on, oh, this series is coming out, so I'll keep this HBO for three months, yeah. and then I'll go get Showtime for two months, and then I'll go do something else. But HBO is always a mainstay, man, because their work is sensational, and it's, uh, I mean, it's just sensational. Yeah, and they continue to pump out great stuff. But, I mean, you look at it, some of the Sopranos and The Wire, obviously, was HBO. So many just phenomenal shows over the years that HBO has done. I loved Deadwood. Newsroom was awesome. I'm trying to think. Boardwalk Empire. Some of you might have been into like Entourage, which was an HBO original. And even some of the ones that they have today, like I believe Secession and things like that that are on there that are continuing to win Emmys for best TV show. And right. you always hear somebody be like, oh, you got to check this out. You know, True Detective, Big Little Lies, uh, True Blood. I mean, God, man, I mean, there's just so many great shows. Game of Thrones that many of you are huge into that have been on HBO that, it, it, I mean, they just continue to push 
the boundary and continue to nail everything that they do. Like if somebody tells me, because people be like, hey, you got to watch this show. I'm like, oh yeah, what's it on? If they say it's on HBO, that immediately piques my interest because I know that it's probably going to be a pretty damn good show. No, because I mean, I think it's their quality and their standard and their consistency. And, you know, when you find all of that in one spot, it's hard to mess it up. Yeah, and, and some of them haven't been for me over the years. I mean, there's been some, like, I never really got into Game of Thrones. I never got into Eastbound and Down, Flight of the Concords. I don't know. But, you know, even the one now, Euphoria, which has won some awards, is, is not really my thing. But, man, there, there have just been some all-timers on that network. And it all started 50 years ago today. And you remember, I mean, it's like kind of like MTV. Like when HBO first came out, it was movies. I mean, you watched movies and you knew if you got a cable package and it had HBO on it, you knew that there might be a, a cool movie that you could watch without having to go to the video store or to the movie theater to watch it. And I mean, it was all about that. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like now everything is so much different, obviously, because we can consume everything that we want immediately. But man, there, there was something about that with HBO. I mean, hotels used to be like you would travel and it would be they'd put it up on their little marquee, you know, vacancy. We have HBO and then and travelers are like, oh, hell yeah, we can watch movies or some crap in our room. No, oh, no, man, that's uh, I remember when I first got HBO, I thought I had arrived as a man. Hell yeah, you <laughs> did arrive as a man. HBO was badass, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had love for HBO. I still do. I do, too. And, and, you know, it's funny. I didn't realize because now HBO Max is out and you can watch pretty much everything on HBO Max. Well, the other day I was scrolling through some of the things that we have. I was like, how do we have HBO Max? And I was, I'm going through. I was like, I don't pay for it. And I asked her, I was like, are you paying for this? She's like, no. I was like, well, we can watch it. I was like, it must. So then I, I did some more digging. And apparently with our Internet, for whatever reason, HBO Max comes with it. Oh, my. And I don't know that it's any cheaper. Like, I couldn't, I, I was like, well, can we drop this and pay less? And apparently it's just like part of it for whatever reason. Sounds like a good deal to me. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll just keep up with it. Yeah. The other thing for you that I had, and, you know, everybody does this where you're bouncing around on Netflix or whatever service that you're on trying to figure out. Have you seen the show that's on Netflix called Drink Masters? Dude, I just rolled past it today. I had not stopped to look at it, though. It's interesting. It's very similar to if you've ever seen Ink Masters or any type of competition like that. It's, it's, it's basically the same exact structure as Ink Masters, just with drinks instead, where they get these mixologists who are these like world-renowned and, and like really good bartenders at different places around the country and stuff, and they all are on a show. And they have to create these various drinks and whatnot based on whatever that day's challenge is. And then eventually they come up with the ultimate drink master. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, there's 10 episodes of it. It's, it's solid. We watched it and, and I was in it at times and other times I was like, I mean, I don't know. Because it is that format and there's a lot of technicality and they explain what they're doing behind the scenes and you know how it is like eventually like somebody that was in the bottom two five times kept winning and we're like what the hell that guy shouldn't be on the show anymore <laughs> get rid of that guy get off the show guy but drink masters is solid man it's it's if you are into because I, I there's something to be said about that that level of ability to make cocktails 
where you actually have an understanding of, okay, I'm not just pouring vodka and soda together. Like I'm balancing this with this because these things, the way they made this works with this and that type of thing. That's when you go next level. Yeah, it's really cool. And there's a place like that in Birmingham called Collins Bar where you can walk in. And if you don't know like the name of a drink that you want, you can just tell the bartender, be like, hey, I like spicy and sweet and vodka. And they're like, okay, I got you. And then they'll just create a drink for you right there. That ain't half bad, brother. It's awesome. I mean, if you like, if you like to drink, that's the spot to be. Yeah, and and again, they're they're doing like really high class cocktails, and you can give them as much or as little information. Like we've gone in there before, and it's like, hey, whatever you feel like making right now, and then they'll put something down, and you can. This happened <laughs> once, and and she didn't like it. She was like, yeah, this isn't for me, and they just made her something else different. They're like, well, what do you like? And you know, you just throw out like three or four different flavors or base like alcohols that you might drink. And they will make right. you some kick-ass drink based on what you tell them. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with that, bro. No, that man. like a winner to me. Yeah, that's, that's where I think stuff like that is a lot of fun. Those little bit nicer and, you know, you're, you're not getting a cheap drink. But at the same time, they're making something specific that is based on exactly what you said, which is really kind of cool. Because I, dr- yeah. I don't drink a lot of liquor anymore. I, I really don't drink a lot of liquor or cocktails. But every so often... You can't go to a brewery all the time, apparently. So every time, you know, sometimes she'll be like, hey, let's do something different instead of going to breweries. <laughs> and I'll be like, all right, well, let's check out. Because Birmingham does have some really cool cocktail-type places that make some very, very good drinks. You know, and, and you can kind of sit. It's a totally different. It's just a chill atmosphere. It's kind of dark, you know, and there's, I don't know. It's interesting. There, there are some interesting places and I'm sure it's like that in every city. You just got to know where you want to go and, and kind of the vibe that you're looking for, I guess. I think it's all about the vibe that you're trying to find and, uh, and how you want to relax with that. Yeah, I remember, this is probably 15 years ago, there used to be a place in, God, I guess that was Frisco or maybe it's considered North Plano, the shops at Legacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There used to be a martini park. And I think it was called Martini Park. And man, they made like every type of martini imaginable. Wow. It was cool, man. If you are a martini fan, you could do worse than just having access to all kinds of random ass, just different martinis. No, man, that would be great. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. You you just got to make sure you got your Uber, your Lyft lined up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, (laughs) definitely at that point, you don't want to overdo it. So before we move on and get into our conversation with our good friend, Todd Archer, you know what we got to remind you of. Yeah, your foundation. I hope that you haven't screwed it up and that it's still functioning for you. But if you see those cracks, if you see some sticking doors and you start noticing those things, that could be your home telling you, hey, man, there's a little bit of a problem here. You might want to get us checked out. That's when you need to contact Aaron and his crews at HFX Foundation Solutions. Very easy to get a hold of. They service the entire North Texas area. 817-770-0174. Do not mess around with your foundation. No, I think the reason why we call it a colonoscopy for your crib is just that. You get a colonoscopy, you have peace of mind. I don't have to worry about anything for a minute. Uh, All the tests came back, says I'm good. You do the same thing with your house, man. All those cracked in the wall, stuck doors, stuck windows. Man, just go call Aaron and his team. Get the colonoscopy for the crib. Ask for it. They'll know exactly what you're talking about. And then you've got peace of mind. And if for some reason they do find something, check this out. 
odds are they find it early and so it's all good they can fix it up for for a fraction of what it would cost if you find find it later so give aaron and his team a call you can thank us later we love you guys that's exactly right you can make it happen it's that easy they handle all your foundation needs they also handle drainage problems gutter installations 817-770-0174 or online at hfxfoundation.com also, of course, Smokey John's. And keep in mind, man, if you were looking for those Thanksgiving smoked turkeys, now is the time that you want to get in touch with Smokey John's because coming up Friday is the deadline for their discount turkey. So if you want to jump on that, it's a, a turkey, a discount turkey. It's $74.95 for the turkey. You'll save $15 if you order it by Friday. Okay, so make sure here in the next couple of days that you jump on this. They've also got all sorts, like they can do your Thanksgiving for you. Again, they've got their large Thanksgiving meal. It feeds 12 people. It's $189.95 and you get a smoked turkey or a bone-in ham. It comes with the dressing and the gravy, the cranberry sauce, two quarts of sides, and two pecan pies or sweet potato pies up to you with a dozen dinner rolls. That is yours at Smokey John's Barbecue because they can handle those Thanksgiving needs for you because, believe it or not, Thanksgiving's just a couple of weeks away. No, nah, man, it's, it's, it is hard to believe, <laughs> but it's not that far away. But Smokey John's, man, whatever they do is perfection. Um, the turkey, the dressing, the sides, all that's going to be sensational. And then it means you don't have to spend all day slaving over the stove. Or watching one of your loved ones slave all over a stove. Or watching one of your loved ones get up early at like 3 o'clock in the morning to make sure everything Man. is done by, by the time the Cowboys kick off. Or whoever your team of choice is on Turkey Day. Uh, that being said, the fellas are great and uh, the food is fantastic. Mm. And anytime you can support Smokey John's. You should do so and not even think about it. You really should, man. And, and they've got it all. I mean, you're like, well, I don't know if I need the big meal. Let them do your turkey. They are offering a variety of options. A smoked turkey, a Cajun fried turkey, a baked turkey. They also do honey bone-in ham and a rib stuffed turkey. They literally have it all. So whatever you're looking for for Thanksgiving, keep them in mind and they'll get you taken care of. You can find out more information at SmokeyJohns.com. Support them. They're right there off Mockingbird in between 35 and Love Field in Dallas. All right, let's check in with our ESPN NFL Nation Cowboys reporter, Todd Archer, joining us. And we are through the bye week. They get ready to move on to Green Bay, where perhaps Mike McCarthy will cry on the sidelines. Who knows? It'll be interesting to see. But Jacques had an interesting article. Look at me bringing up Jacques' own article. And he had an article about how the Cowboys should sign Odell Beckham Jr. What do you think? Should the Cowboys make a move to bring in Odell Beckham Jr. as, as Jacques has a fire breaking out? Yeah. Maybe, maybe that was a fire truck for welcoming Odell to town, celebrating his arrival. <laughs> do I think they should? Well, sorry, I've not read your piece, Jacques. Do I think they should sign him? Yes. Do I think it matters what they sign him for? Yes. I think there is a limit on, on where you go with a potential contract for the guy. I don't know what they are, but I'm not paying the guy super huge money coming off two ACL injuries. He's 30 years old. And I know that my cap is kind of messed up in 2023. So I'm going to have to be smart with this thing. But I think for what this team needs, yeah, I, I would go and I would sign him. I, and I, honestly, I, I don't know if there's anybody at the star that take out that element of the money and all that kind of stuff 
I don't think there's anybody at the star, maybe besides the receivers, that would say, eh, we don't need them. I think everybody at the star, coaches, if you put a true test to them, coaches, personnel, ownership would say, yeah, let's sign this guy. Well, you know, I think the question is he couldn't possibly cost that much in part because whatever he gets is going to be some kind of prorated contract. Um, so, But if he, he wants he, guaranteed money, he, he's already said he wants to be in a situation where it's not just a one-year thing and he's going to want – again, we don't know what he actually wants. So right. we'll, we'll, we don't know the exact numbers, but they have to be, from the Cowboys' perspective, and maybe this is every deal they do, have to be their numbers, not his numbers. So, I mean, do you sign him for the final six games of the season? I don't think he'd take that. He'd probably want to get some security going into 2023, and then that's where I think the issues kind of magnify and you have to walk through and figure it all out. And, oh, by the way, we find out if he's healthy. <laughs> like, he's eight months removed from a torn ACL. He's not been with a team. And I'm not saying he doesn't work hard because I know he does. I'm not saying he can't have access to the best rehab people. So I know he probably does. But until you actually see him yourself, I, you you want better assurances just in history and his word on it, right? Before you go and do it. Yeah, I just think that, uh, like, you know, man, he ain't been that dude since, like, 2017. So, you know, I don't know. Like, where do you think you put him, Matt? In the in the money category, I mean it, it's it depends. I mean if if you're just signing him for a little bit of money, I mean it, I guess that's a question for you as well, Todd. Is, is I mean what are we doing? Are we giving him a couple of million dollars to come in here and finish out the season? Is that too sure. much? I mean it, to me that, that I mean that seems he, like it'd be fine. There, yeah, there's ways you can and you can add like a, you know when he got traded to the Rams, I think they changed some of those things to. Um, you know, you get to an NFC title game, you get to a Super Bowl, blah, blah, you get it more money. I think there are ways that they can make that more whole. Um, you know, to Josh's point about he's not been the guy, been the guy here for a minute. Tell him that. He doesn't think that. He's still the guy in his mind, right? That, that played for the Giants and tore it up. Um, and, and injuries are what. So, Dez still thinks he's the guy. And Dez hasn't played in four years or however long it's been, right? So... <laughs> I mean, so there, there are, it's, it's, and it, go back to what we talked about. Yes, sign them. It all makes sense. This is what they need. Um, and in some argument, you can make the argument that it's better to sign a guy like that than trade for a Brandon Cook or maybe even a Jerry Judy or whoever you want to say last week that they weren't able to get um, because of the cost and you're not giving up anything other than, quote, cash. Um, but I think how you get to that deal and what he wants, marrying with what you want to give him, there's going to be some give and take. And then, oh, by the way, maybe another team comes in and says, we need him more than you do, and Buffalo gives him whatever, or San Francisco gives him whatever. Or, But, again, if he wants to win, there's some teams he's going to just eliminate out of G. Like Green Bay was on the list. Why would he go to Green Bay now, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not making the playoffs. They they, they're not winning that division, and they've already lost to multiple teams ahead of them in a potential wild card chase. So they would need everything to fall their way. So, and then part of me wonders if you're Odell, doesn't it make more sense to wait, just sit out this whole year, and then sign with another team next year? You can get completely right, and don't worry about 
Now players want to play. I get it. But he might be better served just waiting the whole season and, and signing with somebody new in 2023. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because like you talked about, if he wants something where he'd have to come in, he'd have to give him something next year. It, to your point, I, I don't know that you want anything that would be guaranteed having to move into next year, would you? I mean, and what would that even look like when you've got like DJ Chark and, and you know, Valdez Scantling in Green Bay? Those are $10 million wide receivers. And you got to be thinking that Beckham Jr. is looking at going, well, I'm better than those guys, even if we don't know if he is or not. So I don't, I don't know what that number would be well, if he yeah, had to get into number, next year. If that's the number, then forget it. In yeah, my, that's what I'm saying. Mind. Yeah, yeah. So, again, so so we've established it's less than $10 million a year, right? And does he take it? Maybe he does because he sees an opportunity here that he that he might not get somewhere else. But, again, from the Cowboys' perspective is of – you got to sign C.D. Lamb. You got to sign Trayvon Diggs. You probably want to keep Tony Pollard. You you got Donovan Wilson. That's up. Uh, I'm missing somebody else that uh, that you can. Uh, Terrence Steele's going to need a new contract. So there's a lot of money that they're going to throw around to other guys. And oh, by the way, your quarterback has the second highest cap figure in the league. They got to move. They got to do something with these contract. They might have to move on from Tyron Smith or do something there. So there's a lot of like tentacles that come out of this thing that you have to weigh and part of me wonders and now I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here and I apologize but part of me wonders is like man who cares worry about that after you win a Super Bowl that's a good problem to have right but a team does have to think about the future as while they're also in the present and I think sometimes the Cowboys do air too much on the well we got to worry about this in the future um, but can, can they win can they get to a Super Bowl without Odell Beckham? I guess that's the fundamental question. Well, see, can they get? They, I think they can I think, actually. I think they can, but my my whole point is, and, and this is what I wrote. If you had read it, you would know. But it's okay. Yeah. I don't take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> it's really like remind so me the last fitting. story you read of mine. <laughs> I sent you a text when I did it last Ooh. week. So there. Um, uh, okay, so good. I wrote six stories since then. I appreciate it. Well, I've been in Jackson grinding. Um, you know, uh, the whole point is, is they're so ridiculously thin at that position. And if CeeDee Lamb sprains his ankle, he's missed three weeks, you're really hosed because you got Gallup and Brown as your top two, and who knows who your third would be. If Michael Gallup tweaks his knee and he's out two to four, it's the same thing. So I would have him just for, for insurance because at least you know he can play. And then, you know, to me, he's the kind of guy who in a big game, he could make a play and no, nobody would be shocked to help you win a game because he's been that kind of guy uh, for much of his career. But he can still pull it out here and there and make a play to help you win a game. And in the playoffs, sometimes that's all you need. Right. And, and it's a great insurance policy to have, for sure, no question. But, again, all, don't, all the things have to fit. And that's why, you know, the Brandon Cooks thing never happened because none of the pieces ever fit, you know, they wanted a two and a four. The Cowboys are never going to give them a two and a four. So if you're never going to agree on that point, you can't get to the $18 million contract that's on on the books for 2023 that they would certainly have to rework, if not reduce, to make a trade happen. So that's, that's why I, it should happen. Will it happen? I mean, until he comes in here for a medical visit, I just think right now, it's just a bunch of talk. And I, what I do find interesting, though, is Jerry has talked about it on the radio. 
McCarthy gave his soliloquy on Monday that the Cowboys are subliminally recruiting him publicly when Jerry always tells us, if we were asked Jerry in March about uh, a free agent they would go after, his answer would be, well, that's competitive. We're not going to get into the players that we're going after. But now, because they know that they have to court this guy and, and make sure that they know he wants them before they can even get to the financial stuff um, to make him feel wanted here. So, yeah, it's a, I don't think this is an easy – the path to a contract is not smooth on this one to him joining the Cowboys, even if the idea of him signing with the Cowboys is easily connectable. Uh, I guess our last question on this, and of course I'm only speaking for myself, where is this on our priority list? Like if Stephen Jones says, okay, this is my top priority today, or is it like ah, if I get around to calling this guy today, I'll, I'll call him? Well, I'll say it's their top priority because they've acknowledged that they need wide receivers. They, they did it at the trade deadline, right? And they're talking about uh, him now. So I would, you know, you look at the rest of the roster, what, what else do they, you know, you can always add middle to bottom end pieces to strengthen you, but this would be a middle to top end piece to really strengthen you. So this is, I would say this is their priority move. If you're not going to be re-signing your own guys, and I don't think that can, from what I've been able to gather so far, there's, there's nothing on that. And in terms of keeping guys that are going to be free agents or restricted free agents or whatever uh, after the season. So I, I think this is number one. So, maybe not Odell, but wide receivers, number mm-hmm. one. And then when you look at who's available, well, crap, who else do you want besides Odell? I mean, who, what else excites yeah. you out there? That So it's Odell. Yeah, I would say it's Odell. I mean, other than that, they're getting James Washington back. So he's probably as good as anybody else who happens to be out there outside of Odell, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. But let's turn our attention. The game this week, at the beginning of the year, everybody's all Cowboys at Packers. It's Dak against Rodgers. Obviously, they were excited about it at Fox for the game of the week. And all of a sudden, here's a Packers team that's three and six. As you mentioned, this is not a playoff team. They've lost five in a row. And in those five, they lost to the Jets. They lost to the Commanders. They lost to the Lions. What's wrong with this Green Bay team that that you've noticed? Well, we just spent the first 15 minutes talking about wide receivers. Mm. I would say they're a team with wide receivers as well because they did they did less than the Cowboys. Well, no, they put a first round pick on it, I guess, or a second round. With one. But they did almost as less as the Cowboys did trying to replace Amari Cooper and trying to replace Devontae Adams. And nothing's really worked for them. They drafted Christian Watson. I had a scouting buddy of mine in the league say when the Packers uh, drafted him, he said, "Yeah, we we liked him a lot too. We'd like him a lot more if he could catch the ball." <laughs> That's not a good thing you want to say about a wide receiver. Um, so I think you know their their issues. Their defense hasn't been as good as they thought it was going to be. Clearly. Although, you know, they gave up, what, 15 points last week to the to the uh, Lions. That should be enough to win a game. But it, obviously, it's their offense has just been dreadful. Um, Rodgers, while well, he can still make some throws, like I looked at a couple of those picks, the, the one that Hutchinson got on the throwback to the tackle, that ball was like five yards under thrown from the seven. Like, it wasn't even close. I mean, so the Giacchiari the, was open. But the ball was awful. So their issues to me are offense. Their offensive line is not very good. Their receivers aren't very good. But it's Aaron Rodgers and it's the Cowboys, and he seems to have his way most of the time 
when he plays against the Cowboys. So uh, I, I don't think you rule out the Packers because of Aaron Rodgers, because of McCarthy's homecoming, because if they lose this one, the season's absolutely done. Dude, it's been five years since he had three picks in the game, <laughs> which is insane. Uh, yeah, I mean, how many times has he had three picks in a season, But right? I mean, wasn't <laughs> yeah. there one season where he had like two interceptions or three interceptions for the year? I mean, it's, he he's not looking like the same guy, and I think some of it is he doesn't have the same guy, and he, and he doesn't know these guys anymore. So, um, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's been weird. Uh, you're right. 2018, 25 touchdowns, two, two picks. picks. Amazing. And how about this? He had yeah. two other seasons, uh, 2019 and 21. Uh, one of them he had 26 TDs and four picks. The other one was 37 and four. Four picks the whole season. I mean, that's insane. It's crazy. <laughs> hey, how about this? The bigger picture is how long he came in the league in 2005. Yeah, five. Oh five. Uh, he's had two seasons with more than double digit picks. Eight and ten. He's going to have it again this year. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, Willie, because if you're if you're the Packers, then at some point you say, "No, nah. we're out of this." Why don't we see what Jordan Love can do? Because oh, if we want to trade him, we want to know what we should get for him. Or if we want to keep him, then we got to know he can play. That's interesting. I don't know if they have the guts to do that to sit there if he's healthy. I don't know if he'd go for that. I mean, if he go for it, you could do it. But if he's not going to go for it, right. You can't do it because then he, he'd be talking about it all day, every day, whether it's to uh, uh, the reporters in Green Bay or his boys, uh, Pat McAfee's uh, show. He'd be everywhere on it. Uh, <laughs> here's my theory. And, and it's, you know, I don't know what to make of it since they did go 13-3 and three his first couple years. But I find it interesting that right now he's not on board at all with his offense. It's too much motion. It's too much this. It's too much that. The West Coast offense was a perfect offense for me, blah, 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 blah. Now, and so I always think, like, should uh, should the coordinator really, I mean, the head coach, play caller, should he really just build the offense around Aaron or, or should he put his own thing in there? And I say that because, you know, the, the coach here was like, yeah, I'm a West Coast guy, I got this, I got that, but Dak really seems to like what he's doing. I got to, you know, Kellen Moore can call the plays. And so, eh. Let's just let's just ride with what Dak's doing, even though it's not what I'm doing. I mean, I, this is okay. The the reason why there's too much motion and there's this and there's that is based on the results of what we're seeing this year. The first three years with Matt Lafleur as his coach, they won 39 games and he threw 105 touchdown passes to 13 picks. I'm sure they were doing motion and doing these things and that thing and this thing. All those times, the first three years at Matt LaFleur, but they had Devontae Adams. They had better players. They had, they had, God, I can't together. Scantling was still around. They've had, you know what I'm saying? Like they've lost, they had a better offensive line. So he can sit there and bitch about the offense all he wants. It's the same offense that he won an MVP in. So it came to the offense, right? Well, here's the deal. Sometimes it doesn't – I mean, I don't know how they fix it, which is why they're broken right now, and they probably can't fix it. If you don't believe in it, it doesn't matter what he did in the past. If you don't believe in it now, then what you're getting is what you're going to get because he ain't got no confidence in it. The players he has in it ain't no good, so they can't help him. Right. Do that, my, my point. Is it that – is it the offense or it's the players that he has now? 
So to me, it's more, it has to be more the player. It can't be the offense because you had this offense and was unbelievably successful in it. And that home field advantage in the playoffs and all that kind of junk. So it's got to be what you don't have around you now. Right? Or, you know, they figured out Kellen Moore last year and he never figured out how to counter what Fangio and uh, Denver did. Maybe somebody has has uh, cracked the code on him and he hasn't been able to adjust uh, to the crow cack. code cracker. I don't know. We need, I, we need to ask Demofsky. He would know. I think he'd give you my answer. Okay. <laughs> that probably means Todd's already talked to Demofsky and that was the answer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I wanted to – you were there, obviously. McCarthy got really emotional talking about this and his going back to Green Bay for the first time. It – coaches always say well it's the next game and all that type of crap and the cliches they speak to but it, it's obvious that this one this game against the Packers seems to carry a lot of extra weight from McCarthy is it not yeah and look he tried to downplay it and say look you know just want to win the game get seven and two he tried to he tried to but I mean it's not another game and he knows and he and there's a reason why he wasn't answering questions about Green Bay after they beat Chicago. There's a reason why he wasn't answering questions about Green Bay before they left for the bye week. There's a reason why yesterday was designated Green Bay Day uh, because this isn't a normal game. And he mentioned it to the players, you know, you, you when you go back to the place you've been, you want to show how much you've grown. And, and one thing Darren Kurtz said is like, look, we want to get this one for our coach. He was there a long time. He won a championship. We want to win this one for him, essentially, is what he was saying. Um, and I, I, me and Rob Demosky, our other our Packers NFL Nation reporter, we'll have a piece coming out together where he talked to the ten, most of the 10 guys that remain from the team. And I talked to Mike about his time in Green Bay. And Mike's a Pittsburgh guy, but that place has a piece of his heart because his kids were born there. He stayed there after he got fired. He still has a house there. He vacations up in Door County, uh, up on the lake not too far away. So it's still home for him in, in a lot of respects. So this is different. And, you know, uh, how it went for him, he said it left a dent at the end. And that, But I think he's over that. But I do think he wants to win this game to show that he's still a good coach. And he's a guy that, that while – but I don't think he's looking at, like, I'll show you you made a mistake. Because I think he said it. it's like, look, 13 years is a long time. And sometimes you just need to move on from one another. And I think it took him a while to get to that point to, to realize that. And it's best that he's not there and it's best that they moved on. Um, but this is, yeah, this is, when the schedule came out in May, did it come out? He went immediately to when are we going to Green Bay? Because he knew what was this whole week was going to be about. Well, that leads me to this, man. What's, uh, Outside of Aaron Rodgers' mystique, how did the Cowboys not win this game? Uh, he gave me – I talked to Mike yesterday for the story. I'm, uh, I got him for about 15, 16 minutes after the press conference yesterday. And he gave me a stat that teams coming off the bye only win 52% of the time. There's a way that you don't win it. It's basically 50-50 coming off the bye. Um, <laughs> do they lose any of their edge that they, that they had defensively? Is Aaron Rodgers a Superman in this thing? Um I haven't seen the line. I assume they're favored. Matt, that's your line, right? You're, you, are they favored? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I believe the Cowboys are favored. I don't bet on NFL, so I don't know. I'll look it up real quick. <laughs> but, I mean, 
there, there isn't any given Sunday element to this thing uh, that you would play normally. But again, it's still Aaron Rodgers. It's still he's going to want to show that he's still the guy that is the, 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 the straw that stirred the drink for those teams in Green Bay uh, when they won the Super Bowl and went to the NFC title games and things like that. So should the Cowboys win? I don't know if they should win, but it would be disappointing if they didn't win. And maybe this is the one game you look back on at the end of the year, you'd say, how the heck did they lose that one? Which is what we've always waited for. Because, again, they're not in a good way right now. And they lose Rashawn Gary on defense. They have a bunch of guys that are banged up. They're not playing well as it is. But I have a feeling that they'll be emotionally ready for this one um, just as much as the Cowboys would be in wanting to win one for their coach. Yeah, and you were right. Cowboys are favored by five. So there you have it. The money, really, that's eight, right? Yeah, yeah. Really, that would be eight, essentially, on a on a neutral field. Oh, I think I picked the pack to cover. The Packers within eight. So you don't think the Cowboys are going to win? You heard it here first. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. All right, Todd Archer, man, we appreciate it. Thanks for doing it. Yep, you got it, guys. Talk All to right, you next see week. See you. There he is. That is ESPN Cowboys NFL Nation. Reporter Todd Archer, and yeah, Cowboys by five, huh? I mean, we're going to dive into this more on Thursday, but just first glance before I've really looked at this hardcore, I just, the Packers are not good. And and I think that the Aaron, like you, you said it perfectly, Jacques, the Aaron Rodgers mystique will have people looking at them like, well, it's still Aaron Rodgers, much like it's still Tom Brady. This right. is not a good Packers team. They are, they are not good. So, man, I mean, this is a team. This is a Packers team. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers' mystique, this Aaron Rodgers-led Packers offense has a season high of 27 points twice. And you look at this five-game losing streak, they've scored 22, 10, 21, 17, and 9. Yeah, they're trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, they, they are. And, man, some of those throws that he made, some of the throws that he didn't make, there was something going on. Uh, around Twitter the other day where you could see him and he had one where you know a couple years ago he throws a bullet that's a touchdown over the middle and he looks he just doesn't throw it and instead makes a horrible pass it's really odd what's going on with this team jeez you just don't expect it and let's keep in mind that their leading receiver is Tanya in their tight end their second leading receiver is Aaron Jones their running back yeah I mean, he's. I think he's. I mean, I ain't breaking no news. I think he's just got so little confidence in his receivers, and you know, are they where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there? That he's just all out of sorts and out of sync. Doesn't trust his eyes. Doesn't trust anything. And uh, you know, it's a long season for him, my brother. It is a very long season for him. He's also been sacked eighteen times in nine games. So this is, you know, like we said, he's thrown seven picks, which he's thrown seven picks in nine games. The last time he threw seven picks in a season was in 2016 when he threw seven and 16 games. So this is a different Aaron Rodgers than what we are used to. And you also look at the amount of sacks that he's taken. He was sacked 30 times in 16 games last year. So he's on pace for about 36 to 40 sacks this year. Two years ago in 2020, he was only sacked 20 times. So they're getting to him more often. He's getting hit a lot more and he's throwing more picks. And that plays right into the Cowboys' hands, I think. Now, Aaron Jones, he can run it a little bit on the ground, so we'll see. But we'll dive into that on Thursday. As it stands, enjoy the next couple of days. 
Well, I guess for you, you'll be listening to it on Friday. So we'll talk to you guys then. We love each and every one of you, though, in different ways. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.